Hello and welcome to the History Film Club. I'm Alex von Tunzelman, a historian and screenwriter. I'm Hannah Gregg, a historian and a consultant for film and television. And we have a very exciting applicant to join the History Film Club today. We have Professor Mark David Baer, Professor of International History at the LSE, the London School of Economics and Political Science here in London. Um, and he is the author of a very exciting new book called The Ottomans, Carl's Caesar's Caliphs. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your programme. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the History Film Club. Uh, when I knew that you were coming on, I was trying to think what films um, that I already knew that we could talk about. And of course, there's Lawrence of Arabia, uh, which is sort of set um, at the, you know, the start of the First World War. And I thought there must be others that take this Ottoman history, this epic scale. And then I discovered that there's this whole world of Turkish historical drama which is now available on Netflix, which I had never heard of. But there's a massive industry, isn't there, that takes this history and makes it into epic dramas that are made in Turkey. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. But I'll start with Lawrence of Arabia, because you did. Okay. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia, of course, it's about 300 hours long. It's a very famous <laughs> film that many people have seen. But, you know, poor Peter O'Toole gets raped by the Turks, and it's a very orientalist very um negative depiction of the of the turks uh, who are taken to be the ottomans and for uh, for decades we see this this orientalism in so many films i mean have you seen from russia with love yes yes yeah and there's this impossible scene in that film where they roll their boat in an underground channel from below topkapa palace all the way to the covered bazaar which is impossible (laughs) right this sort of or what about topkapa dagger with with Melina Mercuri, it's complete madness and silliness. It's almost as orientalist as Elvis Presley's Harem Scarum. <laughs> 1965, lots of veils, veils and exposed flesh. But even, you know, even more popular, well-known, remembered films such as Star Wars Return of the Jedi contains an orientalist Ottoman stereotype, Jabba the Hutt. Who's Jabba the Hutt? But he's a hookah-smoking white slaver. He's he's an orientalist vision of a sultan, and he may or may not have raped poor Carrie Fisher, right? So so these images, these are hundreds of years old, these ideas about the Turks, the Ottomans. Or what about the adventures of Baron Munchausen from 1988? This is about the Ottoman siege of Vienna in 1683, but it continues the Orientalism. There, you have a fully clothed sultan bathing with many women in his harem. Makes no sense. So, so this is the background. This is what's sort of in the mind, what we sort of always imbibe. And so in the last about 10, 15 years, we see a huge, you can say a response in some ways to this, in the Turkish film and, and television industry. And there's quite a number of historical dramas. Some are playing today um, in Turkey. Some are only on Netflix for us to see with, with translations. But but I'd be happy to talk about a, a number of those series. Oh, sure. But now I've got loads of questions <laughs> about all these, because this is such an interesting point. I hadn't thought about it. But I mean, you know, completely immediately see what you're saying about Jabba the Hutt and so on and these representations and, you know, maybe a bit... Um, Aaron Harkin and in Dune as well, um, thinking of the mm-hmm. David Lynch Dune rather than the new one, which I haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, all these sorts of representations, sort of Orientalist representations and very 
sort of sexualized, but in a kind of unpleasant way. And I suppose there's a bit of that in films like 300 as well. It's obviously mm-hmm. supposed to be the Persians, but there's all sorts of the same sort of stereotypes getting chucked in there. Yeah, so there's so there's always so there's always this this racism and this um, all these different views of Turks and of Muslims that are quite you know exotic and so on. So in the last fifteen years, the Turkish people themselves have written and um, produced a number of historical dramas, which um, are pretty amazing. I mean, first of all, the the um, the sets are incredible that they've built for these things. Mm-hmm. There was a film called Conquest 1453 about 10 years ago, um, which has, well, which has a really great soundtrack. I, I went out and bought the CD at the time, but um, it may have been the most expensive Turkish film ever made. It was a, a, um, a retelling of the Ottomans' conquest of Constantinople in 1453. Mm-hmm. And that's just one example, but in many of these series, we see Turks, Muslims, Ottomans as brave people, as uh, warriors, as honorable people, and usually as people who are fighting off Western invaders. Mm-hmm. So in a way, they're they're fighting back against stereotypes. Um, they're fighting to save their country, uh, even though even though it wasn't a country then, of course. So this there's a, currently on Turkish television. There's a series. I forget what it's called, but it's about Gallipoli. Mm-hmm. So during the First World War, when the, the, the British and the French and the Anzacs and, um, invaded and the Ottoman army heroically resisted with massive casualties, half a million people, I believe half a million soldiers died or were wounded. So that's, that's a TV show today. So it's about, again, these, these foreign invaders and the brave Turkish defenders and the, the, the bonds between these men who are defending um, their land. You see a lot of that. There is another series um, that has been on for five seasons called, um, well, it's, it's called Abdul Hamid. Abdul Hamid II was a late 19th, early 20th century Ottoman Sultan. And this is about, again, the Ottoman Empire fighting against the Western encroachment. Um, you also have um, of course, this this series that's most popular on, on Netflix, which which I enjoy the sword fighting of, which is Resurrection Air to Rule. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen that, but this is I've certainly seen the name. <laughs> and this is this is a show. This is this is before the Ottomans even. This is this takes us back to thirteenth century. This is um, Air to Rule was supposedly um, uh, Osman's father, so it takes us back to that time. And um, and there again, you see the same thing. You have the invading crusaders, these Christians, uh, these evil Christians. We know they're crusaders because they have crosses on their uniforms or on their chests, whatever you. And they're trying to take the land away from, from the good Muslims who are defending it. Um, so you see this in, in quite a few. You see this also, and there's another series on Netflix now called Filinta, an Ottoman detective story, which showed on the main Turkish television channel it's about the 19th century. It's about an Ottoman Muslim policeman in the center of Istanbul. And here again, the bad guys are Christians. Um, so here they're they're gun running Greeks. So again, it's this sort of these modern show, these, these recent shows most often depict a, a, a mighty and brave and honorable Turk defending his land and his, his culture from Christian outsiders. This is 
absolutely fascinating and makes me think I must rush to Netflix and watch these shows. But they are huge, aren't they? I mean, I believe, if I've got this correctly off uh, Wikipedia, that um, Turkey is now the kind of second highest exporter of film and TV after the United States, that really people are very into these globally. So it's not just a Turkish market. These are being watched across Asia, Latin America, parts of Europe, certainly Russia. Um, So there's clearly an appetite for this alternative perspective, right? Absolutely. And I think it probably began a decade ago with the series called Magnificent Century, Mm. Mutashim Yuzul, which centers on life at at the court during the reign of Suleiman the Magnificent. And it's um, it ran for three or four seasons and it was very popular in the Arabic speaking world in Indonesia in Brazil. And it's it's it was that's really the, the show I would say you should watch out of all of these. The only one you should watch, really. Um, the only one which is anywhere near historically accurate. It has fantastic costumes. Uh, it helps us think about the role of women uh, in politics in the palace at the time. There's there's a bit too it's a bit too sexy. They, they wouldn't have gone around with such cleavage or with such um, you know low cut outfits. There's no there's no um, display of homosexuality or, or more correctly relations between mature men and young young boys. There's none of that. And there's no black eunuchs in the palace, which um, the Ottoman palace had a staff of European eunuchs and a staff of African eunuchs. And the African eunuchs were the ones who guarded the harem. In other words, the private quarters of the palace where the sultan and his concubines resided. So there's no black, there's no, there's no African eunuchs in that series. But if we, if we drop that, if we just forget about that for a moment, it's, it's pretty, pretty accurate and it really tugs at the heart. That's why it's it's so popular. It's, these are soap operas, really. And and, and Magnificent Century is, is quite a good soap opera depicting all the different love interests and all the different challenges um, amongst the princes to become sultan. Wow. I mean, this just sounds quite amazing. Although, I mean, it's interesting that these are obviously, you see these different prejudices creeping in, like erasing the African eunuchs or you know, all the kind of, as you say, sort of same-sex relations kind of going out there. We don't mind if it's a bit too sexy. That's okay with the History Film Club. Okay. We, we, we're, all right. we're all right with stuff being a bit sexy. But, yeah, I mean, but it's interesting to see that those sort of presumably quite modern prejudices are creeping in as well and shaping. And do you think there is a kind of consciousness politically in Turkey about how these, because they are going out all over the world, how these shows represent you know, Ottoman history, Turkish history and identity today. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, the other, the other the, the show to talk about really in this regard is not uh, Air to Rule or Magnificent Century, but the show about Abdul Hamid II. Mm-hmm. And in Turkish it's called Paytakht uh, Abdul Hamid, which doesn't make much sense. That means capital city or seat of the throne or Abdul Hamid's seat of the throne or something. But this is this is a show, in my view, where... It's not about Abdul Hamid at all. It's about Erdogan, and it's really, it's really Erdogan is Abdul Hamid, or Abdul Hamid is Erdogan, and it's completely inaccurate the depiction of Abdul Hamid. They show him fighting the West, which he did, but one very important detail: it, that show has quite an obsession with Jews. The the show about mm. Abdul Hamid. Um, it's on the state television channel. It it was filmed a year after the failed coup attempt against Erdogan. Uh, Erdogan has, has, has blamed Jewish forces for that uh, failed coup. So in this television show, you have 
the Zionists um, and Jews, Ottoman Jews, as being this, this, this enemy of Abdul Hamid, when we know, in fact, that Abdul Hamid and Theodor Herzl, who was the, the founder of political Zionism, they worked hand in hand, in fact, mm -hmm. in Central Europe to improve the image of the Ottomans in the West. Because it was during Abdul Hamid's reign that there were the first massive massacres of Armenians. And Herzl worked hand in hand with Hamid to promote propaganda showing how Abdul Hamid actually loved the Jews. Okay, let's not talk about the Armenians. Let's talk about the Jews. Right. And as a way to distract attention from the massacres of Armenians. So, so they actually, they worked together and, and they weren't enemies. They were co-conspirators trying to save the image of this Sultan in this. But of course, today, because Erdogan is a, a fierce opponent, opponent of the state of Israel, uh, even though they still have you know, military uh, and trade agreements and so on, and ambassadors. Um, he, you know, he, this is a central to Erdogan's um, image today, that he is the one who, who criticizes um, Israel. So, so that's put into this TV show, even though it's completely the opposite of what was historically accurate. Well, it's a reminder that it's very difficult to satisfy the historian in terms of uh, film kind of, and TV, capturing all of the nuances of um, you know, very complex cultural relations. But I think it's fascinating that we have this access now to these Turkish-produced dramas, which sort of put the dividing line in different ways. So, you know, all big stories tend to need an enemy and a hero, but you can construct those kind of characters from very different perspectives. And I think that I mean, these Netflix dramas allow us to to access those different perspectives and in, in an interesting way. But I was I was really frustrated that my Netflix algorithm was not recommending these dramas to me, <laughs> and I hadn't heard of them until you know, apart from thanks to you coming onto the show and me kind of digging a bit deeper into what the kind of the TV world is um, around these stories. And it made me think, well, maybe Netflix needs to do more to make us watch things that we wouldn't otherwise watch. So. You know, we have to watch an hour of television that's produced in a different country to where we'd normally be watching our, our our drama before we can be released into the rest of the Netflix world. Because there's a huge value there, isn't there, to engaging a bigger audience from these different these stories told from different perspectives. Absolutely. And as a historian, I I tell my students to watch these shows. Um, of course, they're historically inaccurate, but just to begin to try to imagine what life was like there in that time. And so this, this has value. So the Erturul show is completely historically inaccurate, but in some ways um, it helps people think about, well, what was like, uh, life like in around 1300 in what is today Turkey, in Anatolia? There's great sword play. There's incredible costumes. These tent encampments that they've recreated really help you think about what, was life, what like, life was like for these semi-nomadic people. They also, they also depict... Uh, women in all of these shows, uh, not all the shows, but in some of these historical dramas, the role of, of women in societies is pretty accurately um, portrayed. So, so I, could, I could say, okay, never mind the, the stereotypical, I lost count, I lose count in every episode, how many crusaders are killed? It's hard to, it's hard to keep track <laughs> on how much blood, Christian blood is, is shed. But still, but at the very least, you can kind of think about you know what these, how these people dressed, and and how they lived, and you could begin to um, to think about. So there's definitely value in it. 
Hello, it's Nat the producer here. If you'd like to win a copy of Mark's book, The Ottomans, Khans, Caesars and Caliphs, do enter the History Film Club badge competition. It's open to patrons and runs all through the month of November. At the end of the month, we'll choose whoever's put their badge next to the most exciting, most old, most ottoman thing. And then we'll send this book to them. It really is very shiny and a very beautiful thing. Uh, yes, go over to the Patreon. That's www.patreon.com forward slash history film club uh, and join today. See you there. I totally think so. And I think it's quite useful for students as well to see what place this history occupies in the modern Turkish imagination. So, you know, even when you're talking about something like Abdul Hamid, which sounds like, you know, kind of pretty borderline anti-Semitic stuff probably going on in that show. And obviously a student should watch that being informed about these inaccuracies. But it is for it. When you think about it, as you say, in the context of Erdogan and you think about this kind of current world, actually that is very useful because it shows you how history is being used and, you know, the historiography of it and the and the way it's perceived and the way it's perhaps changed is important. There's actually precedent for that. I was thinking about um, a film, Alexander Nevsky, um, the old Soviet film, which uh, by Sergei Eisenstein, where very similarly, like in real life, um, Alexander Nevsky had a had a, an alliance with the Mongols. And in the film, of course, that is completely cut out. The NKVD would mm-hmm. not let that happen. So instead, they're shown as being enemies. So, mm-hmm. so there's certainly, but that tells you a lot more about Stalinist history than it tells you about Alexander Nevsky's history. You know? yeah. But but then that too is is very useful for students to consider, I think. And and the ironic thing is that Abdul Hamid II believed in conspiracy theories. And so does Erdogan. So actually, the fact that those conspiracy theories then are in the series mm. actually makes a lot of sense. It can help you understand <laughs> yeah. their, their crazy worldview. I mean, do you find, especially so writing about this, and obviously you've got this wonderful new book out, which is, you know, sort of history of this Ottoman Empire, which I think will be, you know, exciting for us. But does it also perhaps drive history, you know, interest in this history? that People are around the world watching these shows. They might then start seeking out the true story through books like yours. Absolutely. So now that now that everyone knows Ertuğrul's name, when I mentioned him at the beginning of the book, you know, there's people people recognize that. I mean, but then what I do, of course, um, in my book, as I talk without criticizing the film uh, directly, of course, the series directly, I talk about how they, I, I, exactly, you're right. So I, I talk about how Muslims um, behaved and, and different interpretations of Islam that were popular at the time, and they don't match up with the TV series. So in in, in Ertuğrul, they have a, a uh, Islamic thinker named Ibn Arabi appears, and they turn him into a boring, run-of-the-mill uh, Friday preacher you might meet in Ankara today. But this, this person was one of the most radical, revolutionary thinkers of, of, of medieval Islam, and, and that's been written out of the show. So in the book, then I, of course, I, I talk about his ideas, and, and the reason they're written out of the show is because his ideas were so revolutionary and so radical that they were often used to try to depose the Ottomans. Your bookmark takes us through a full suite, doesn't it, of centuries of, of this history from sort of, is it the 13th century through to the 20th? That's right. Yeah, so we can get our full seven series worth of <laughs> drama. From, well, from and I did book. see the, someone posted the cover on Instagram with, with this uh, 
caption that intro is spicy with three fire emojis so sounds like there's a lot to look at i think drama fans will enjoy this right <laughs> you know, there's a lot of drama in the book because um, because it's there in the in the historical yeah. chronicles but most professional historians will just say then the ottomans took this region well, how did they take it how did they conquer how did they how did they do it and what did it what was it like for the soldiers and for the the civilians at the time and what did battle look like and what did death look like so i include these things in this book that i've never included in any of my academic books oh, what fun. fascinating and um i'm interested to know mark if you'd seen this netflix uh drama doc called Rise of Empires that's narrated by Charles Dance, which is one of the ones that I came across when I was sort of noodling around and um, thinking about um, this, this podcast, because it seems to capture the kind of difference between filmmaking and history writing, but, but on the screen. Are you, have you seen it? Do you know which one I mean? I don't. Um, it's called Rise so of Empires. It's called Rise of Empires, the, the Ottomans, Rise of Empires, and it's a drama documentary. So it flips between drama scenes and then historians talking. And I came across it because I came across a review first that was incredibly critical about mm. what they called the dramaticus interruptus, which is when the historian pops up <laughs> <laughs> and tells us how complicated everything is. And then it flicks back to the drama where everyone just has a big fight. <laughs> and then we cut back to the historian who says how nuanced and subtle and sophisticated <laughs> the history of Ottoman history is. And then we cut back to this fight scene and someone cuts off someone's head. And I can sort of, I just I can't get I just can't get past that now I sort of enjoyed it so much the 20 minutes of it that I saw but, well, um, but it seemed to capture that sort of yeah the difficulties of how to um, unwittingly capture the difficulties of, of, of linking the historian's knowledge with the, the dramatic interpretation well that's why that's why this air to roll series is so good because you just have the heads rolling then you can make your take you know make your own conclusions you yeah. don't have anyone popping up no, no and telling what it all means yeah i'm going to use that from now on do you have dramaticus interruptus in your drama that, i'm afraid that's just now a history film club phrase yeah. know, <laughs> i'm sorry to dramaticus interruptus you alex <laughs> I mean, Mark, there is, you... Yeah, Sorry. go ahead. There, there is one good documentary. I mean, there have been quite a few documentaries on the Ottomans. Some have been on BBC that, that are not good. I won't name them. But um, there was one that appeared 20 years ago um, on PBS, the public broadcasting station in the United States. And, it's, and it was a three-part series called Islam Empire of Faith. And the third hour was devoted to the Ottomans. But only the first half, uh, sort of the rise of the Ottomans. But still, it's it's really one of the best, most accurate documentaries we have about the Ottomans. Brilliant. Look that up. Um, oh, we've got so many recommendations now. I'm going to spend the rest of the month just watching everything. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, we also like to ask our applicants to History Film Club to nominate a favourite film or TV production that is historical to add to our club library. Now, it doesn't have to be about the Ottomans, although it can be if you like. Um, what would you like to pick? It's a difficult question. It's a, it's, there's a lot out there. You know, what I've, I've been watching with my family is, um, is Anne with an E, which um, it takes place in, in Canada 100 or so years ago. And, um, but what they've done is they've rewritten Anne of Green Gables in a multicultural way. Oh. So they've added a Native American character. They've added a, a Jewish character. They've added um, a Trinidadian um, uh, character. So what they've done is, and, and they've made they've made um, Anne into a very modern Canadian girl, and I think it's quite good. Oh, that sounds great! Yes, have to watch that too. 
it sounds great because it also means that you can continue to love some of the children's literature that I mean like you know Anne of Green Gables was one that I read as a child and then when you reach adulthood you think oh some of these stories are more problematic than I thought but how great to just rewrite them in the way that, that you would like to see them rewritten so that sounds fantastic. Mark we also ask all our applicants to the film club to nominate a pet hate um, something that we should ban from the club is there something you'd like to suggest? Well, if it if it has to do with an Ottoman film, then I, I don't like it when um, they they do these anachronistic things such as um, having 16th century characters drink tea. Uh, tea is a post Second World War drink in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And um, there have been I, I was asked to um, there was a documentary that I I, I, I I was a historical advisor to. And they had a scene where Suleiman and, and Roxalana are sitting around drinking tea. Uh, in the palace, and I had to I had to correct them and say, well, they 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 would have had coffee. They would have enjoyed what we call Turkish or Arab uh, coffee or Greek coffee. Mm-hmm. But um, tea, I'm afraid this is um, it's not the, if this is the 1550s, not the six, not the 1950s. <laughs> well, I mean, personally, I lo- I'm not banning drinking tea from the club, but I will ban drinking historically inaccurate tea. I think that's yes. a completely fair point. Um, yes. So yes, absolutely, none of that nonsense. Thank you very much get your tea and coffee right it is quite significant the parts of the world that drink tea and coffee and how that shifts historically actually there is usually a baseline and britain is currently shifting towards a coffee drinking country mm-hmm. um, so yeah who knows what this means culturally but i'm sure it does mean something well mark on the basis of your wonderful answers i have absolutely no hesitation in saying welcome you are now a full member of the history film club we're delighted thank to you. have thank you, you mark david bear we do like to offer our new members a drink from the club library, uh, the club bar, excuse me, the club library does not serve drinks. The club, the club <laughs> bar can make any drink, historical or modern, uh, with alcohol or without alcohol, or only historically inaccurate tea. Um, so what can we offer you? I think I'll have a Turkish coffee, or wow. not to offend anyone, you, we could call it an Arab coffee, or an Armenian coffee, or a Greek coffee, or a Bosnian <laughs> coffee. You know what I mean, with the, the grounds, the kind that you can't drink the last sip of. <laughs> Is this like hummus? Does everybody own the coffee? Everyone claims, everyone claims the coffee, just like the hummus, yes. yes. Amazing, we will certainly get some of that for you, that's marvellous. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Mark David Baird. The book is called The Ottomans, Khan's Caesar's Caliphs, and it is out now. Thank you for listening to the History Film Club. I'm Alex von Tanzelman. I'm Hannah Craig. See you next time.